Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. You know, every time I hear that song, every time, I always think about the tragic events that caused him to pen those words. It's just amazing for those of you who don't know it. Horatio Spafford was going to travel in the late 1800s to Europe with his family. His family went ahead of him, his wife and daughters. Shipwreck killed all four daughters. The wife survived. Sent a note home, and I believe it said something along the lines of, um, let me see, I have it here somewhere. Saved alone, that's all she sent. Shortly afterwards, he then headed to Europe. And when the ship got somewhere close to where his daughters had died, he penned those words to that song. Come on, man, that is just amazing, amazing. It is what God does, and that's where the Bible talks about how he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. When the comfort of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, he's the one that gives us joy in the midst of mourning. He's the one that can lift us up. He's the one that sees us through. He's the one whose joy becomes our strength, the Bible talks about. And that if you've ever been through the dark night of the soul, you understand the light and the hope that God brings you in those moments. And every time I sing that song, because you got to understand that with his flesh, it wasn't okay. In his mind, it wasn't okay. Like, if you'd have given him his choice, how many know he'd have taken his daughters back? Yeah. Okay, I'm just telling you in a heartbeat. But he penned those words, my soul, my soul. How, many, how can it be, I feel like I'm going to preach on this, and I'm not even going to preach on this. Like, how can it be okay with my soul? Because it's my spirit man that connects me to God. It's my spirit man that connects me to the things of heaven. It's my spirit man that rises up and in me and tells me what Thessalonians tells me, that one day the dead in Christ are going to be raised. The Bible tells me that one day there's going to be this grand reunion in the sky. That one day we're going to be united to Jesus. Come on. We don't grieve as men without hope. That's what the beauty of having God in your life is. Some of you in this house, you understand it. You've lost children, grandchildren, spouses. You get it in that dark night of the soul. But God sheds his light that you can say, it's not okay with my flesh. It's not okay with my mind. But my soul, it's okay and it's going to sing. Okay, let's go home now. Nah, I'm much meaner than that. You know, I, I, I do. Like, I, I've lied a lot this week and last week. You know, uh, Peter, I told Peter, I need you here the 28th. I need you to preach on the 28th. He's not preaching today, okay? And, uh, and then I hid in the office, so he didn't know I was here, and he got here, and then he came in, I said, I need the mic, you're not preaching. And uh, so it's either good news or bad news to you, one way or the other. And, uh, but we, we really, really, though, felt we needed to show and demonstrate honor for our brother today, because it's a major accomplishment. And we do it, and, 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 and really, there is a motive to it. There's cupcakes today. Like, there's cupcakes. We're having cupcakes, all right? I, I love cupcakes. I don't like cake, but I love cupcakes. What is up with that? I'm just so weird. And let me remind you also, you know, as, as you know, with this whole era, we're kind of taking, receiving our offering different. If you're watching online, you can give electronically. You can give electronically if you're sitting here. We have buckets up here. We have new boxes. We've got this fancy little thing on each side. Um, but again, you have been so faithful. We thank you and we appreciate it. Grab your Bibles, uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews. We're doing a series called Faith Is. And I have a feeling this is going to be a really long series. Okay? And I'm tired of this thing already. I, I have a feeling that this is going to, thank you, doctor. Can I wear the hat? I have a feeling it's going to be a really long series, okay? Uh, it's a sermon series with the intent of raising our faith level 
as the level of uncertainty rises in our nation. How many of those are, we got some uncertain times? We got some swirling times. We got some stuff that's going on in our country, you know? And, uh, and yet, for us as a believer, we're going to continue to walk in faith, right? And to increase our ability to walk in faith. How many know you can learn to walk in faith? How many know you can learn to increase your level of walking in faith? How many know you don't have to increase at all in your faith? You can, like, you can, you can never, but, but the reality is God wants us to grow from faith to faith and faith to faith and faith to faith. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and today I'm going to talk to you about how you and I are living in faith, but we're living with faith in a foreign land, all right? And I'm going to actually use that in two different ways of today. How many of you know, first of all, as believers, members of God's kingdom, citizens of heaven, we're living in a foreign land, right? This isn't our home. The Bible clearly tells us that, all right? And I want to talk about that. So we're going to begin with this verse every week. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders, the men of renown, the men of old, obtained a good testimony. All right, that word substance means foundation, substructure. It is that which supports, all right? And we talked last week about how you and I, we are living and walking in a temporary world with a temporary roller, in temporary tents, because I mean, this body is a temporary tent, right? And temp living with temporary afflictions. Yet Paul said, we don't lose heart. Why? Because we are a great courage, because we are a people of faith. Faith is the substance that causes us to walk according to the unseen eternal, rather than a temporary scene. Faith is a substance that enables us to walk with confidence in a temporary world, that is influenced by a temporary roller while walking in this temporary tent and overcoming temporary afflictions. Faith connects this. Faith is the substance, the substructure that connects the temporary to the eternal. All right? And understand this. Faith is the substructure. Faith is the foundation that always connects us to the person of God. It's not just, come on, faith is not just connecting us to a concept. It's not connecting us to a philosophy. It's not connecting us just to some kind of philosophy or some kind of uh, theological concept. No, 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 no. Your faith connects you to a person. You can't even please God without faith. You can't come to God without faith. And so we must understand, it's not about faith connecting me to things. It is faith connecting me to a person. Amen? All right? And so understand that first and foremost. Now, what I want to talk to you today about is this faith in a foreign land. So let's pick it up, chapter 11, verse 8. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I love that part of that verse. Going, not knowing where he was going. It sounds like a trip with Pastor Jim. Man, I just, how many of you just love to get in a car and wander? Okay, how many of the rest of you just like, you have to have a concrete plan? All right, how many of you don't ever ride in a car? How many of you have a pulse today? How many, how many of you need that sugar in a cupcake now? Okay, we might have to start serving them and handing them out right now, okay? The, the fact of the matter is, I, I really like this idea of just getting out, getting in a car, and seeing where I end up, all right? That is not my wife's style at all. 
right? Abraham went going not knowing where he was going. But watch this. The Bible says he, that, that when he was called, he obeyed. Hmm. See, the call of God, let's talk about this for a moment. The call of God is a call. But it's a call to a radical relationship with God through faith. You, you can't even come to God without faith. All right? Now, in Abraham's case, he is an idol worshiper in the early Chaldeans. God comes to him, appears to him, and says, hey, you, follow me. You, come with me. Right? He's making a call. I'm calling you to walk in this radical relationship with me, but it's going to require faith on your part. Okay? Do you understand when God called you to salvation, he called you to a radical relationship with him through faith? Yes. Do, do you, how many of you, when you asked your wife to marry you, wanted a bland, vanilla relationship? Good guys, good men, good men. You didn't raise your hand. Right? Of course not. You didn't want that. Your wife didn't want that. You don't want this bland relationship that's boring and vanilla. Don't you want that thing to have some spice to it? Thank you, Jeremy. Okay. The rest of them are kind of like, well, no, no, I don't like spicy things, Pastor. <laughs> All right. Of course. And, and the same thing's true of God. That a walking, living relationship with God is a vibrant relationship that requires risk in our part. Amen? There's a risk involved, right? Abraham, this is what he says to him. Abraham, this is what I want for you. I want you to go from your country... I want you to go from your people and I want you to go from your family. Now, some of you think that's a vacation. It's not, okay? He says, I want you to leave everything you've ever known. I want you to go to the place I will show you. You see, this is a radical call. Leave everything you've ever known to go where you don't know you're going and I'll show you where you're going. I can imagine Abraham saying, where am I going? And God says, I'll show you. No, 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 no. Where are we going? I'll show you. No, where are we going? I'll show you. Like I one time tried to surprise Penny. Just pack a bag and we're going to go away. <laughs> if you know my wife, she's generally packed two weeks before we go somewhere anyhow. Okay, and I wanted to be the spontaneous, spur of the moment, surprise, but I need to know where we're going. No, you don't. Just pack a bag. Well, I need to know. No, you don't. Just trust me. She has no faith in me. I'm also the guy that wants to go to an airport sometime and be blindfolded and pull out a ticket and end up wherever I end up. How cool would that be? Like, just stick me on the plane, don't tell me where it's landing, and I'll find out when I get off. How cool would that be? I'm telling you, I'm going to do, before I'm dead and gone, I'm going to do that. If I don't come back, speak nice things about me. You see, he says, Abram, I will show you where you're going. I, I, okay? You see, faith was the substance. Because how many know that required faith? It required trust on Abraham's part. On Abraham's part to this God who appeared to him, to a family of idol worshipers, when the God of heaven appears and says, come on, man, follow me. Come with me. Take this radical journey with me, this radical relationship with me. It's going to require faith on your part. You see, there are times in your life where God's calling you not just to salvation. Praise God, he calls us to salvation, but he's calling you way beyond that because how many of you know his goal for your life isn't just that you get to heaven? His goal for your life is for you to be like Abraham, that you will be blessed and be a blessing as you live on the face of this earth. He, said, and he came to Abraham and he says, guess what? And this is what I'm gonna do. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. 
you will be a blessing. I'll curse those who curse you. All right? And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So he comes to Abraham. He says, leave everything. Follow me. And this is what I'm going to do for you. You know what really caused, I think, caused him to leave? The promises of God. How many of you want the promises of God in your life? The promises of God are the promises of God. But they're on the other side of taking a step of faith. Many people want the promises but never want to leave the old. Many want the promises but they never want to leave what they've always known. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, before this service is over, some of you are being called to leave the things you're known and the comfortable things of your life in order to find the promises of God. There's a, there, God said, I'll make a promise to you. You see, he says to Abraham at first, leave your country. Let me say this to you. In this current time in which we live, if you want to live with faith in this current time, some of you are going to have to leave the nationalism you've lived by. The kingdom is greater than the nation of America. The kingdom of God is greater than the nation of America. We are, a, we are kingdom of God, people first, Americans second. You are a citizen of God's kingdom first. You live according to his kingdom and his culture and his values now, first and foremost. And I will promise you, if you will by faith leave your nationalism for a kingdom mentality, you will live under the blessing of God. All right? You have, he said, leave your people. There are times in your life where you will need to leave your culture for God's culture. How many know the people that you are around are the culture that you live in? How many know your family has a culture? Churches have cultures. Organizations have cultures. Businesses have cultures. And Abraham's people had a culture. They were a culture of idol worshipers. Leave your people. Leave that culture. Leave that way of living. Leave that value system. Listen to me this morning. Sometimes God's saying to us, I need you to leave the culture in which you're comfortable in so that you can experience the culture I have for you. All right? And then he says to them, leave your family. How many of families have ideologies? Racists aren't, racists aren't born, they're developed by parents. Often, most often. It's something that they learn. It's an ideology that they learn. How many of you know you grow up in a Pentecostal church, you learn an, ideolo an ideology? You grow up in this other church, you grow in a, an ideology. Sometimes we need to leave the ideologies of our family behind. It was my mother in the 1970s who was going to a Catholic church, who was a Catholic family. I'm 12 years age, 13 years of age, and she comes to a Pentecostal church called the Pleasant Valley Assembly of God on the corner of A Street and Pleasant Valley Boulevard. You might know where that is. Used to be where we used to be. And she started attending this church. I come into this church. You wacky, whacked out Pentecostals were weird. You raised your hands, you were happy in church, you sang, you clapped, and then somebody talked in tongues. My mother joined a cult. <laughs> but I know at 17 years of age that God called me to go into ministry. Seven years later, I finally decided to accept it. No sense rushing into these things. You see, but for her, she had to leave what her family ideology was in order to chase after the things of God. And it was a major step on her faith on her part that actually brought ostracization from her family for a season. You see, faith, sometimes it's leaving the known for the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's around that. But let me tell you something. This, what Abram did was he made a faith act in the present. You see, faith is the substance. It's the, the substance that causes a present act of faith that brings a future blessing of God. See, for Abram, the present act had to be leaving. 
The thing he had to do in the moment, the now moment, was he had to leave. How many of you believe God blesses you when you give? Now I see what the problem is. Now I see why sometimes we're short money. Just, just having fun. That's not what some of you think. I know it because I see the giving. I'm just saying this though. If you believe that God blesses your giving, then the giving in the now is the now act of faith that you believe is going to bring a blessing later on. Okay? It's like that mind-boggling, diabolical, sinister idea of gardening. Why? But what do you do? In the now moment, you take a seed, you put it in the dirt, because it's a present act of faith. Because how many know planting a seed in the dirt is an act of faith? Hoping and praying and believing that it is going to produce what you planted. Hopefully, it's not like the movie Secondhand Lions. Anybody seen Secondhand Lions? No? Never mind. It's going to go over your head, so I'm not even going to mention it. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. All right? They, they thought they bought all these seeds off the seed dealer, and they bought cucumbers and tomatoes and carrots, and all they ended up buying was corn. Everything was corn. Okay? What they planted is in what grew. But listen to me. How many know by faith we plant what we want to harvest? How many know that humans are the only species that can dictate its diet? If I want to eat tomatoes, I can plant a tomato. If I want to eat apples, I can eat apples. How many know I can dictate it? How many know animals can't do that? It's the same in the spirit realm. How many know I can actually plant seeds that I want to see grow? See, when you act in the present, it's a present act that brings a future blessing of God. Abraham left in the present, and he reaped in the future the blessings that God had for him. Faith is the substance that says, go when we don't know where we're going. Come on. Sometimes... Sometimes we have taken some journeys of faith at this church. How was 11th Street going to work out? We don't know. All right. How is the right place going to work out? Don't know. We're going to get this building built. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like there's sometimes, if you're like some people, to go on a journey, you have to know exactly where you're going. I'm not like that. Put me in a car. Let's go. Put me in a plane. Let's go. Like really, blindfold me. Put earmuffs on me so I can't hear. And let me know when I get off the plane. I still can't tell you how exciting that would be. <laughs> Hope I pack good winter clothes when they send me to Alaska. But listen to me. If you know exactly every time where it's going to end up, you, know, you don't need as much faith. Hmm? Uh, faith is a substance that says go when we don't know how. One of the greatest faith-filled answers I ever give in this place is I don't know. Harold Ferguson said, well, how are we going to we do this project? Where's the money going to come from? How are we, I don't know. <laughs> inspires faith. When you say, I don't know, it inspires faith. Well, how's this going? I don't know. Randy and I and Dick Scholten are looking at the money, and we, you heard the story about this project. How are we going to finish? I don't know, but we're going to get it finished, and we did. You, you see, faith doesn't always know how, but how should never stop you from going. It just shouldn't. Faith is the substance that says go when we don't know when. I don't know why I have that in there. <laughs> Faith is the substance that says go when we don't know why. Have you ever started something that you thought you knew why you were doing it, only to find out that why you were doing it isn't why God had you doing it? Man, I got a lot of those in my life. I got a lot of those. Even, even with what we got going on right now over at Right Place. 
There's been a lot of morphing and a lot of uh, evolving in this thing. We thought we were going into it this way and doing this and that. And a lot of things have changed as we go. And there can be some more things, right? And some of the things that we think we knew ahead of time, we didn't know the why. And now we get a little different why. Let me tell you something. Sometimes God takes you on a journey. And it's a journey of faith. And you think you know the why. And all of a sudden he reveals another why that you never knew. You understand what I'm saying? So faith for Abraham was this call into this radical relationship with God through faith that would say go when he didn't know where he was going. And it was this whole idea of not knowing where, but trusting in the promises of God. And then it says this in verse 9. By faith, Abraham lived as an alien, a stranger, a foreigner, in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. The Bible tells us that he never possessed what was promised to him. He lived in it, but he didn't necessarily um, possess it, right? And I thought about that. It's interesting. The Bible says, and we'll talk a little bit later on, what he was looking for, but he actually, the Bible says, pitched his tent in the land of Canaan, yet he never possessed, he himself never possessed Canaan. You see, faith is the substance which allows me and causes me to make my home in a foreign land. Now, how many know we live here, but how many know this is not our promise? How many know this earth, this earth, this world is not our promised land, right? We're living here as in a foreign land. But it struck me. Let me show you a verse in Genesis chapter 12. This is after Abraham showed up in the land of Canaan. He's there. He's walking through it. He's went through it. He's pitched his tent. And then the Lord appeared to him. And this is what he says. To your offspring, I will give this land. Hmm. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Interesting. So God gave Abraham a promise in chapter 11. In chapter 12, he gets to the land. And now in chapter 12, he looks at Abraham and says, by the way, I'm going to give your children, your offspring, I'm going to give them this land. And it struck me. This is what happened. Abraham... The faith was the substance that caused Abraham to pitch tents so his offspring could build houses. Think about that. Abram lived in a tent. He walked around and he lived in tents. I don't want to live in a tent. Just telling you. Right? But Abraham, by faith, left everything he ever knew, went to a land he was promised and he never possessed. He lived in a tent so that his offspring could live better than him in the blessings that came through him and they could build houses and, I mean, you know, generation after generation built dwelling places. Do you understand this morning that there are times in your life where you're taking a step of faith that you won't possess, but your children will possess it after you? I, I'm telling you, okay? I, 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 let me show you this. Faith is the substance causing us to live now in promises of faith so our offspring can live later possessing those faith promises. Some of you in this house got money you never worked for. Some of it came from people. Your mom, your dad. Now, some of you are saying, I wish it was me. I, some of you, it doesn't apply. I get it. How many of you would like to leave money for your children? How many would like to leave stuff for your children? Let me say this. Leave them a legacy of faith first and foremost. 
but it's okay to leave money. It's okay to leave stuff, and we should want to do that. The fact of the matter is, in this house, there are some people in here that you have reaped the dividends of mom's hard work, dad's hard work, mom's step of faith, dad's step of faith. You get that idea. This is what Abraham did. Because he left the era of the Chaldeans, because he left that polytheistic, idol-worshiping culture, because he did, God blessed him, but not only God blessed him, God blessed his children after him. Faith brings a blessing to your children. Faith brings a blessing to your children's children. They possessed promises that were made to Abraham. The reason I'm here, to my, my mind, one of the major Catholic reasons I am your pastor is because my mother left the Catholic Church and took a step of faith and a journey of faith in the mid-1970s to chase after God and have a radical relationship with God through faith. So blame her when you're sick of me being your pastor. I'm walking in something that she paved the way for because of her faith. Yes, of course, God can work on me out. Of course. But how many know you can make it easier for your children to see the promises of God? Then it goes on. It talks about this. You see, let me ask you a question before I even go further. Let me ask you this. What are you doing today that your children will possess later? What are you doing today in a faith realm that your children will possess later? You see, there's some things we're doing over there. There's some things we're doing it right. There's some things I want to do in this church that will not benefit us as much as it will benefit the next generation. One of the reasons we want to build townhomes over in that place, Jack, is, is there's three reasons. One is to keep doing what we're doing in that neighborhood, changing that neighborhood. Number two is to create, um, um, what was the other create, re create tax revenue for the city. I mean, no, that's a good thing that the city has revenue. And the third thing is we want to have residual income for ministry now and in the future. But how many know that next generation is really going to benefit when it's bought and paid for and they get the dividends from it? I wish somebody had done that for us 25 years ago. Amen? Okay. What are you doing today? What are you doing today in your faith walk, in your journey of faith that your children can possess later? Peter's here. He's doing a church, healthy, what's that thing called? Peaceful church initiative. And it started because his father walked into a tent meeting in Canada and got saved. Right? Something like that. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Okay, never mind. Let's get back. <laughs> for he, Abram, was looking for a city whose foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Think about that. A few points I want to make out of that. First of all, it says he was living in the land, never possessed it, and yet he was looking for a city whose foundation, whose architect and builder is God. Faith, all, faith is a substance that always causes us to look forward. How many know faith always looks future, always looks forward? That faith is something that, how many know even now in this current age, there are a lot of us that get discouraged. There's a lot of people getting angry. A lot of people getting ticked off because of the current state of the America. How many know that our faith fixes our eyes on the future? That our eyes are fixed into the future by faith. This isn't, it doesn't deny what's going on. But how many know faith connects us to the future, which, doesn't, which Paul said in Corinthians gives us courage in this moment. Faith is a substance that always causes us to look forward. forward faith is forward thinking, that, though, that is fortified from past acts of faith. Have you ever found yourself in a moment where you needed to take a step of faith, and it was the past step of faith that encouraged you to take this step of faith? 
that you're like, you know what? I really am scared. I'm nervous. I don't know about this. I don't really want to know that. But you know what? I remember when. I remember when I took that step of faith, and I remember how God was faithful there. And I remember when God did this, and I remember when God did that. Let's go. Let's go. You see, how many know faith builds upon faith upon faith upon faith? All right? You know, we, 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 we did. We did that crazy 11th Street project. You know that project gave me courage to buy the, the right school? Oh, dear, help me. Okay. That 77,655 square feet of energy-sucking space over there. Oh, God's going to use it. He's taking more hair out of my hair every day. Peter, you know, Look how, look, Peter has wasted away since he's been here. But here's the point. The point is that your past moments of faith will give you confidence for present moments of faith. My question is, do you have them? Do you have them? If you don't have them, get one. Because I want to tell you something. God, you see, because here's what the Bible tells me. The Bible tells me that I can't even please God without faith. Right? Because how I many know faith is a demonstration of our trust in him? I mean, you know, you please somebody when you trust them. Right? And so my faith in the present is fortified from the past. Past acts of faith fuel present acts of faith that then fuel future acts of faith. One upon another upon another. Right? Now watch this. So Abraham was a man of faith living in a foreign land. And he lived in the land of men with his eye on the city of God. Hmm. You know, we talked even at the beginning of this. We don't even mourn the same as the world as men without hope. Our mourning is shaped by a city not of this world. Our mourning is shaped by the promise of a city not of this world. Our, our mourning isn't even the same. We mourn, but we mourn with hope, right? That's how we live in this land. Abraham was a man living in this land with an eye on the city of God. Faith is the substance that causes me to live in the land of the men with an eye on the city of God. Because faith always connects the temporary to the eternal. How many know this is a temporary world? How many know you're a temporary tent? How many know it's a temporary roller in this world? How many know these afflictions are temporary? How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me that. And what does faith do? Faith connects this which is temporary to that which is eternal. And when I'm connected to that which is eternal, how many know I have hope in the temporary? I have optimism in the temporary. I'm not discouraged in the temporary because it connects me. I got an eye. Now, but I thought about this. You see, because I really believe that while the Bible talks about this physical city, how many know the Bible promises there's going to be a day where there's going to be a new Jerusalem come down out of heaven prepared like a bride, right? Revelation tells us that. Hebrews talks about it, okay? And so here, here's what it says about this. Um, Want to have some fun? Hello? Hello? Karen's calling us. Hey, Karen, you're on. <laughs> you just hung up. It doesn't matter whether she meant to or not. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, when you see Karen later, ask her why she was calling me while I was preaching. 
She's here somewhere. <laughs> How would you like to work with that every day? You see, there's this new Jerusalem. See, here I go, right back on track. I'm just like that, you know. Uh, here's this new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. Let me tell you a little bit about it. It says it was the holy city coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Brilliance was like a very costly stone. It has a great and high wall with 12 gates. And by the way, let me stop with that great high wall thing. Would you stop using that scripture to defend a wall between Mexico and America? Okay, listen, I, I personally believe that there should be some kind of border security, okay? But that's not here. But don't use scriptures. Don't misuse scriptures. Say, well, see, see, the New Jerusalem has a wall. Therefore, walls are justified. Stop that nonsense. Oh, so good to vent. That's improper use of the word of God. That has nothing to do with that. There's no defense whatsoever. Okay. Have you seen that stuff? Some of you are saying, I don't want to use the pastor. I'm not singling anybody out. I couldn't tell if you used it or not. Just don't do it again. All right. <laughs> okay, it tells us about this city, this great high wall, 12 gates. All right, it tells us about the 12 foundation stones with the 12 um, names of the apostles of the Lamb. It says later, bit later on that there's no temple for the Lord, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. There's no need for the sun or the moon for the glory of God illuminates it. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And on, just, how, how many want to see that city? Right? And so I believe, obviously, there's a literal city. But can I show you something that I was pondering yesterday? Let me show you three definitions, and I'll give you a thought, and we'll quit. Amen? Foundation. I'm looking for a city whose foundation. This word means a foundation, like stones, brick. The beginnings. First principles, how many know you have a foundation of education? An institution or a system of truth. Remember this, a system of truth. And then you have architect, which means an artificer or a craftsman. We get craftsmen in this room. There are men in here that can build anything, and there are choice of craftsmen when it comes to video and technology. We get all kinds of craftsmen, cooks, chefs, a craftsman, and then builder, a workman for the public or the author of any work, an artisan. So I thought about those Greek definitions of that word. And yes, while there is this literal, physical city that the Bible talks about, the beauty of that city, the, the foundation of that city, is something that I think we need to understand what makes it special, okay? For example, let me show it to you this way. By faith, Abraham was looking for a city with a system of truth Crafted, authored, framed, and built by God. Do you understand? Yes, there's this physical city. And praise God for the physical city. But how many know what makes the physical city really special is that it is built upon a foundation of truth that has been crafted and framed and built by God. It is a place of truth. It is a place of righteousness. It is a place where it is. How many of you know that in this world we groan for truth? How many of you groan for truth in the world in which we live right now? How many of you, know there is, you don't know what the truth is? You, th you have a perception of what you think the truth is based upon your ideology and how it frames with somebody else's reporting. Because I don't know how the average person would know the actual truth today. All right? Abraham was looking for this city where this, this city was founded upon this truth that was authored and crafted by God. We live in a world that has an evil foundation an evil architect, 
and build. You say, well, how can that be, Pastor? Well, it can be because how many know that Paul talks about many times the one who is the power of the prince of the air, the ruler of this age, the God of this age who has blinded the mind of unbelievers. Understand something. The kingdoms of the world, everybody say world. The kingdoms of the world are best, at best, are influenced by Satan. It's a biblical worldview. You've got to get your Bible out and look at this, okay? We live in a world that has an evil foundation, architect, and builder. But by faith, we look forward to a city with a righteous foundation, and I spelled it wrong, with a righteous foundation, architect, and builder. We're living in a world that has this foundation of falsehood, wickedness, evil, where power, might, wins, and that's how we're living in this world. I want you to think about something for a moment, that, that when we think about this, when Jesus is walking the earth, Satan meets him in the wilderness where the Holy Spirit led him, by the way, and he tempts him. He says to him, took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, I will give you all of this, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, it will all be yours. You see, the temptation of Satan to Jesus was to assume the kingdoms of the world. The temptation of Satan to Jesus was to take the power over the kingdoms of the world. And the temptation of Satan today is for the church to try to assume power through political processes, which is not how we do it. I'm not saying we don't vote. I'm not saying we don't have political opinion. But I am saying that we come and we do not assume power through might. We come as a kingdom of God that comes under to serve, to love, with a culture and a value system not of this world. God does not ride a donkey and he does not ride an elephant. Understand the temptation on Jesus is the same temptation that the church is facing. We want it from a way that God doesn't want us to have it. The temptation to Jesus was here. Take the kingdom of men now. You see, our faith points us away from a world with a system of falsehood crafted and authored by Satan. Who do you think is at work with some of this stuff? Who do you think is at work behind this stuff? The spirit of the age, the God of this age, the ruler of this age. Do you understand this morning that we are not on a vacation? We are, we are in a cosmic battle. We're, we're in a cosmic battle with principalities and authorities. There's a raging war in the heavenly realm. And sometimes we Christians live as if we're living in a vacation. Imagine getting dropped into Normandy Beach on D-Day and saying, well, here we are. We're here to live our family vacation now. We're to be about the battle and in the battle and understand there's this cosmic thing that's going on. Okay? <laughs> Randy Bracken told me he did ride a donkey, actually. That's true. Jesus did ride a donkey. <laughs> hey, see what happens when you text me while I'm preaching? I will rat you out in a heartbeat. Right? Listen, our faith, what does our faith do? Faith points us away from a world with a system of falsehood crafted and authored by Satan. Our faith is not in this world or the systems of this world or the processes of this world, but it points us towards a city 
with a system of truth crafted and authored by God. Now, why is that important? Because listen to me, we live now in the culture of that city. It's not just then, we live now in the culture of that city. We live now in the culture of the city we see in the future. Now, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness is who we are. Now is thinking on things that are pure, thinking on the things that are noble. Now our thinking, now our tongue is shaped. We live now according to that kingdom, not when we get there. Abraham did not adopt the way of Canaan. Abraham lived as a man of faith in the land of Canaan with his eye on a city built and authored on truth by God. We groan for that, don't we? Come on, Troy. Everybody just got hope filled. He said, come on, Troy. It's only going to be another 20 minutes. Praise God. Come on, Troy. Come up through Samaria today. Yeah, get ready. I've been begging him to come up to center aisle just once. He went through Samaria. And he met a sinner at the well. I wrote something yesterday morning. I was pondering some stuff. And I wrote it and sent it to the staff. And I went close with it. And I, I wrote it and I sent it to the staff and a few other people. And um, it, it's just, come on, man, we got to raise our faith level. And, and so I'm going to read this in closing. And uh, it says this. The America we know and have been uh, and have been accustomed to is changing. For many, it, is will, it will seem as if a foreign land to them. What once thought impossible in our land now seems to be possible. Things that once seemed only plausible in other countries of the world are becoming evident in this nation. Who would have ever thought that in our nation you would see a city where somebody takes and creates an autonomous zone? You wouldn't have ever thought that. Listen to me. I vehemently, and I, not just recently, my, anybody knows me? For as long as they know me, I vehemently stand against racism. I've preached against racism. It's wrong, it's diabolical, it's evil, it's wicked, and it's sin. I have preached against injustice. I hate injustice. We've raised money for human trafficking. We put homes, okay? But listen to me. Lawlessness doesn't fix lawlessness, and injustice doesn't fix injustice. And there is stuff going on in our country that is just wrong. But some of these changes that we'll see will be better because there'll be some good things come out. And some of them will not be better. We must forego the notion that everything from years gone by were the good old days. For they were not all good. Slavery, civil war, civil rights violations, those things were not good old days. We must also forego this notion that everything happening now is for the better. For it certainly is not. Evil was the fuel for past racism. And evil is the fuel for some of the things being done now under the guise of wokeness. Make no mistake about it, the days ahead will seem for many that they're living in a foreign land and not the America they're used to living in. That being said, how do we live in this ever-evolving land? And in that letter to them, I said, we live by faith. And I used that scripture. Faith is still the substance by which we make our home in this land like strangers in a foreign country. Faith is still the substance from which we hear and obey in this foreign land. I mean, oh, God's still speaking. 
Faith is the substance from which we continue to navigate through this land that is not our home. We're not home, baby. We're here for a season. It's a temporary thing. We're living according to a culture and a kingdom not of this world. Like Abraham, we too are living tents, our bodies, in a foreign land as heirs of a future promise. Faith is the foundation from which we live with the values of our true home while living in this temporary home. Faith is the foundation from which we live the culture of the kingdom in the culture of this foreign land. Faith is the foundation from which we look forward. Faith is forward-looking, but often fueled by past acts of faith. The nations of the world have primarily been founded and forged by men. Using might, power, and dominance, many nations of the world have been founded. These cities and nations have been forged under the influence of Satan, which is a biblical worldview. Just to reiterate that. This is what he tempted Jesus with in the wilderness. This foreign land, like the land of Abraham lived, is under the influence of wickedness. But our faith causes us to look forward to a city whose foundations are of God. A city with whose architect is God, not Satan. A city whose builder is God. Our faith reminds us there is a place where truth and justice are for all. A place where skin color, wealth, and gender will not matter while politics are non-existent. Praise God. This is the place our faith points us as we sojourn through this land like Abraham, being blessed and being a blessing. Why do I want our faith level to rise? Why do I want us to live by faith? Why do I want us to live by a city, not of this world, a culture, not of this world, a kingdom, not of this world, so that you are blessed in this land and you are a blessing in this land? That's what Abraham was. How many of you want to be blessed? Not very many of you. It wasn't a trick question. You say, yeah, Pastor, but you're going to say something after it. Of course I am. You want to be blessed? Walk by faith. You want to be a blessing? Walk by faith. That's how you become a blessing in this life. That's how you get blessed. By faith, Abraham. By faith. Faith is the substance. It's the substance. It's the foundation. It's the structure. It's that which connects us to the eternal as we walk in this eternal, in this temporary. And so, Father, we come this morning and we would say to you, Father, teach us how to walk in faith. Call us to walk by faith. Call us to a deeper walk of faith, a, a, a wilder walk of faith, if you will. God, that, that many of us just want to use faith as enough to get inside the door and maybe make it into the kingdom and that we don't go to hell. Father, you have much more in color. You got much more for us than that. You want much more than that. You got a reason for our life, a reason for our being. You want to bless us now and be a blessing. God, call us from the known to the unknown. Call us from the comfortable to the uncomfortable. Call us, God, today to be able to plant seeds today that our children possess later. Father, raise up our faith level in this hour. All this chaos, all this stuff, all this stuff is happening. It's trying to steal our faith. There's a challenge to our faith. But God, today you're the increaser of our faith. You're the author of our faith. You're the finisher of our faith. Come on, church, rise up. God wants to take you on a wild journey. This is the hour not to shrink back. Mm. So Father, this week, this week, let us hear the call. So come on, come on. Walk in this radical relationship with me through faith. I'll take you where you've never been. I'll take you what you never saw. I'll give you things you never even dreamed of. I'll make you a blessing.
I'll bless your children. I'll bless your children's children. Let us focus on a kingdom, a city, with a system of truth crafted and authored by you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Come on, stand up, sing something. See Peter on the way out. Congratulate him. Grab a cupcake. Smash it in his face. I mean, I just kidding.